join me in our responsive welcome. No matter who you are or where you are in life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, or Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. From every people, from every child, your wisdom, O oh God, to show us the way. Turn that off. Last week, uh, Reverend Emilia invited us to share images of Jesus, perhaps that you grew up with or perhaps that are part of your home life or your family's home. And this week, we're going to take a look at symbols of Christianity. We're going to focus on one, but I'm wondering and I'm curious, what are some of the symbols of Christianity that you think of? Cross, what else? Fish, fire, dove, water. Good, good work. I was surprised at this one, peacock. I know, there's something about the peacock losing its feathers all the time, getting them back, and the eyes on the feathers. It speaks, I hadn't heard of it either, but there's a lot I don't know. We've established that every week, pretty much. Shepherd. Lamb. There's one more that you might get. Uh, well, anchor. Anybody know that one, the anchor? Yeah. So there's a lot of symbols connected to Christianity, but what we're going to focus on this morning is the cross. And the cross is often a topic of teaching and preaching, but not, in the early church, a religious symbol. It was not a religious symbol. But that was the first one that comes to mind, isn't it? I mean, it's hard to miss it. And the reason it was not an early symbol of Christianity is because it was so shameful. It was a form of state execution. It was the lethal injection of its day. I mean, there's no way around that. That is true. I know, and that's like, whoa. It's how the state intimidated and terrorized people. It was a, double, a public death penalty. It's amazing that it becomes the first thing we think about, isn't it? Jesus' body is often noted as still having the marks of the crucifixion in resurrection appearances. If you were here last week, you know that um, in John 20, when Jesus came into the room, he said, peace be with you, and showed them his hands and his side. And then a, a week later, as the story goes, when Thomas was present, he said to Thomas, put your fingers here on my hands and here in my side. 
And these accounts emphasize that a central piece of the Christian narrative is how Jesus died. It wasn't just any death. It was how Jesus died. And I had someone ask me this week, it was such a bizarre question, like, does God not like death? And, I, and we were both sort of puzzled, and I'm like, I mean, impermanence is a part of life, right? We know that, but I think what the cross teaches us is that God does not accept this type of death. This is the type of death that God is against. And this reflection on the cross began in February when Sam shared his Easter music selections with me. And I felt a tug when I saw Lift High the Cross. There was so much beautiful music on Easter. I'm like, can we, can we hold this one off until this week? And I thought, I thought the cross was worthy of a closer look, but not on Easter Sunday. And I want you to just hold that thought that the cross is worthy of a closer look uh, as we go into our reading. And our reading this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, and it's the first experience that Luke shares of the resurrected Jesus being noticed, coming onto the scene. And we're in the 24th chapter. You may know this if you're familiar with Christian stories as the walk to Emmaus. Then on the same day, we find two of them going off to Emmaus, a village about seven miles from Jerusalem. As they went, they were deep in conversation about everything that had happened. While they were absorbed in their serious talk and discussion, Jesus himself approached and walked along with them, but something prevented them from recognizing him. And then he spoke to them, what is all this discussion that you are having on your walk? They stopped, their faces drawn in misery, and the one called Cleopas replied, you must be the only stranger in Jerusalem who hasn't heard of the things that have happened there recently. How could you not know? What things, Jesus asks, Oh, all about Jesus from Nazareth. There was a man, a prophet, strong in what he did and what he said, in God's eyes as well as the people's. Haven't you heard? He was handed over for execution and crucified. We were hoping he was the one who was to come and set us free. They make it real clear how he died. Yes, and as if that were not enough, it's getting on for three days since all this happened, and some of our women folk have disturbed us profoundly, for they went to the tomb at dawn, and then when they couldn't find his body, they said that he had a vision, that they had a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of our people went straight off to the tomb and found things just as the women had described them, but they didn't see him. Then Jesus spoke to them, aren't you failing to understand and slow to believe in all that the prophets have said? <laughs> was it not inevitable, and I question that, but was it not inevitable that Christ should suffer like that and so find his glory? 
may be inevitable to the point that the resistance to God's kingdom is fierce, always has been, and still is. And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them everything in the scriptures that referred to himself. They were by now approaching the village to which they were going, and he gave the impression that Jesus meant to go on further, but they stopped him with the words, Do stay with us. It is nearly evening, and soon the day will be over. So Jesus went indoors to stay with them, and then it happened. While he was sitting at the table with them, he took the loaf, gave thanks, broke it, and passed it to them. Their eyes were opened wide, and they knew him, but he vanished from their sight. Now, recognizing Jesus in the breaking of the bread, if you're familiar with these stories, you know that a couple chapters earlier, when Jesus was having a final meal with his friends and disciples, he took the bread and he broke it, and he gave it to them, and he said, do this in remembrance of me. Remember those words? They're, they're right there on the table. Do this in remembrance of me. And so it was in the breaking of the bread that they remembered him. And then they said, weren't our hearts glowing and there's other translations to this, but for now, weren't our hearts glowing while he was with us on the road and when he made the scripture so plain to us? Were our hearts glowing or were they burning within us? Or were, didn't we feel on fire? Who said the symbol of fire? Didn't it warm our hearts? You've had those moments, right, where you've been with someone and they're explaining something to you and something shifts inside? And then after this, they got to their feet without delay and turned back to Jerusalem. And there they found the 11 and their friends all together. And they told the story of their walk and how they recognized him when he broke the bread. So yeah, bread is another symbol of the Christian tradition, isn't it? And we need to remember Jesus in the breaking of the bread when we sit down for table fellowship Maybe we need to invite people to our homes or to the opportunivores, which if you don't know what that is, we can tell you afterwards. It's a great opportunity to dine with 25 of your closest new friends. But we also need to remember the significance of the cross, which in some circles has become a very harmless, non-offensive symbol, which is a big change from what it began as, right? I mean, it's, a, it's jewelry. I have a cross around my neck right now. Some people have tattoos, T-shirts, bumper stickers. Cross shows up in art and music. The shift from this tool of terror to becoming a Christian symbol happened in the fourth century when um, the first Christian emperor his name was Constantine, which is important to know for trivia, had a vision and a dream. And in this vision and dream, he was led to adopt the cross as a safeguard 
in encounters with enemies. But here's where I think he went a little too far. A safeguard is different than using a cross in battle of, as a sign of God's favor. And by battle, I mean uh, violent battle. Christians went then from being persecuted to being persecutors. So the cross was used against, the, against them, and then they started to use it against others. It's the same story, just a different position in the narrative. You know, I've been poor and I've been rich. Rich is better. Jesus came with a different story. That's not the story of Jesus. The story of Jesus is not domination, cooperation. Not supremacy, equity. Not terrorizing, humanizing. And in our reading today, we are reminded of the instruction, whenever you do this, remember me. When you gather at a table and break bread, share a meal, Christ is recognized in the breaking of the bread. But Christ is also recognized by his scars. Look at my hands, look at my side. The theologian Dr. James Cone, who's best known for his work as a black liberation theologist, asks us to remember something about the cross that is crucial to the Christian story of liberation. He asks us to remember a painful part of this nation's history, one that is more painful for some than others, but painful nonetheless a topic we would rather avoid, I'm sure. I know I would. Dr. Cohn draws a symbolic connection between the cross and the lynching tree. In his book by the same title, which he says took him a lifetime to write, and it literally took him 10 years, but a lifetime to gather his thoughts around that. And it was filled, his writing was always preceded by prayers for wisdom and insight and courage. It was a grueling effort. Dr. Cohn reminds us that the cross and lynching was used to terrorize black and brown communities. Think about the Ku Klux Klan a burning cross. That should horrify us, actually. I, in fact, I know it does. The cross and the lynching symbol still holds power today as a tool of terror and threat. Think about something else we don't want to think about. 2021 at the U.S. Capitol building. Both were present as symbols of power and domination. Dr. Cohn also describes how the cross empowered and sustained black and brown people and white allies to resist and work for liberation against great odds. Let's focus on that for a moment. 
You know the history, you know the painful history, and you know it can still be used to this day. But let's also remember that the cross empowered, empowers, sustained, and sustains people in the work of liberation against great odds. The message that Jesus was up against the same challenges that we are up against means that Jesus is with the liberators. Do you see that connection? Jesus showed us what it means to be faithful in the presence of that power where terror tactics are met with courage, where domination is met with resistance. And what happens and what appears to be defeat becomes resurrection resilience. You can see why I didn't go into this on Easter, right? As a religious symbol, the cross represents what the kingdom Jesus invited us to live into was up against and is still up against. The power against the kingdom or kingdom of God was and still is fierce and organized and deliberate. But God said no to that and yes to Jesus and all who live and work for liberation. That's what God says yes to in the resurrection. The odds are stacked against the liberation story. The story of the resurrection assures us that God will persist and do some pretty amazing things. Now I told you that this reflection started several weeks ago. And as is often the case, the tug, the initial tug, feels like a good idea. And then it's followed by, well, maybe it's an okay idea. And then it's like, this is ridiculous, find something else. And then the wrestling starts. The anthem is going to play. You can either sidestep this or maybe exhibit some courage. And here's what happened. On Monday morning, at 9.30, I met someone for the very first time. His name is Dave, my new friend Dave. He wanted to talk to me about disabling some rifles. His kids didn't want him. He wants to just get rid of them. He wants to show his kids about the work of raw tools, his grandkids about the work of raw tools. And he said, you know, Mike from Raw Tools sent me to you. Can you do this? And so, of course, I, John Parsons, Gay Meyer, we're going to meet with him. We're going to do that. He's going to invite his friends to do that. But that's what he came to talk about. So he walked into my office and he says, I have something for you. I know, right? This bowl is filled with wooden crosses. Can't make this stuff up. Guess I'm preaching about crosses, huh? And I, ha and I talked to him the other day. We set up a date uh, for him to come and we're going to disable the weapons for him. He said, let me know if you need more. Dave, I heard you. And you know what? I sent him an email. I said, I can't wait to tell you what your gift did for me. So I'm just going to leave him right here. And I'm going to invite you to come and take one or two or as many as you want, because Dave's going to give me more if we need him.
But I want you to just feel free to take one and to use it this week and in the weeks to come as a way of seeing two things, not just one, two things. That those who plot and conspire against God's kingdom have used this as a tool of terror. And that God's response to this tool of terror is no, not the end of the story. So in other words, keep going. Remember the story of Jesus is not domination, cooperation, not supremacy, equity, not terrorizing, humanizing. Didn't we feel something burning within us? Hearts warmed? This is the love of Christ that we proclaim in lifting up the cross. And so now I hope you hear this anthem in a very different and powerful way. And let's see what the Spirit will do with this. <laughs>